I guess maybe not. I don't know. Just just check. Hey, we're blessed today. We've got we've got people with us and, and it's going to be an incredible day. But but before I introduce our speakers and turn it over to them, I, I want Lance Corporal to stand. I want to honor uh, our, our brother. He, come on. He's serving in the military. We love you. Amen. Love you, man. He didn't want us to do anything to embarrass him because, so, you know, we're not going to go there. He, he has a dog, and they run around sniffing out bombs. Y'all be praying. Amen. Because uh, uh, i, I got to tell you something. He walks with the blessing of God on his life, and he has a heart for God, and he loves God. And uh, we know that his service to our country is worth honor and respect. And so, brother... Appreciate you very much, very much. All right. This morning, you, you know, uh, the kids are getting ready to go back to school. Yeah. Uh, let's just take a moment. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And they're going back to class and, you know, well, so are we. We're, we're going we're gonna to launch back in and we're doing a fight for family. We believe that God's plan is victory in every realm of our life, in every home, my people, Isaiah thirty-two eighteen, my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. We're, 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 we're going to lead you. You know, the leadership team, they're praying and, and, and believing God for insight and, and direction so that we can lead our families into victory in every realm. Whether you're single or married, that's not the point. The point is, is that you're part of the body and God wants you to walk in victory. So we're going to invest and we're going to educate ourselves and we're going to get the tools to demonstrate Satan's defeat. And when you get out of bed in the morning, you're going to live a lifestyle that's an absolute humiliation to hell. Hell's going to be embarrassed that they haven't been able to take you out. And the stuff that used to make you fall, you're going to step right over and look back one day and think, wow, that used to be an issue. And I didn't even notice it today. It's not a big deal. Why? Because... You're ready for and equal to anything that comes your way through Christ who is infusing you with an inner strength. You've got what it takes to win, and we're going to prove it to you, and then we're going to make you walk in it. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, you got victory all over you. Amen. So we, we brought some friends over, and they're, they're going to they're speak to us this morning. Last night was amazing, and you're going to get some. Uh, I, I tell you what, I just want to tell you right now, get your pen ready. Get ready to take some notes. Uh, they're going to share with you some principles, and if you will apply these to your life, you'll never have to uh, you know, seek marriage counseling because you're in trouble. You'll have to come in and say, how do we handle this? It's just so good. There's a lot of faith in the room right now. Uh, we have some great friends. They've been married 29 years, 29 years. Glenn and Theresa Johnson from Vancouver. They've pastored a church for 29 years. Uh, they have a great successful ministry. They are filled with wisdom and knowledge. And besides that, they're our friends. And we love them and we appreciate them. And we're glad that they're here today. Would you welcome them to the platform? All right. Well, hey, I, we, we love the fact that your pastors are committed to families. Let me tell you what's going on. Your pastor's on a Daniel fast, fasting for families of this church. And any man that will eat tofu for Jesus is, is a man of God, let me tell you. 
because uh, I'm not sure I would even do. I love you guys, but I'm not sure I would even do that. So, but uh, tofu, tofu's not good. It's the, it's, oh, sorry. It's it's devil food. I'm no. telling you. So, right, Todd? Do not, baby. <laughs> Todd and I, are, whatever. <laughs> You spoke bad at that tofu. You got to be nice because it's coming back to haunt you. I know. I've been having some stomach things. And I think the tofu. I they sneak some, they snuck some in on me last night, and I think they kind of went like the tofu's going. I'll show you, dude. <laughs> so hey, uh, this is my prayer for this year. My wish for 2011. My prayer is I want a big fat bank account and a slim body. And God, please don't mix those up like you did last year. <laughs> You know, uh, we're honored to be in this great house, you know. This isn't our first rodeo. We've been around for a few years. And uh, we started pastoring when I, I was 23. She was 21. She'd been born again two years. I'd been born again four years. And we started pastoring our church. Don't recommend that. <laughs> but with that has brought a lot of, a lot of, a lot of experiential knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I can spot great leadership and great pastors um, 650 miles away. And you are, this house is blessed with great Amen. leadership and Amen. great pastors in Tom and Shelby. Amen. And I don't just say that because I'm here. I, I, I don't get, uh, just say that because I'm here. I say that because we preach in several churches, and, and, and there's some guys I just want to say, dude, just quit now because it's over with for you. <laughs> but, I mean I, I mean, I hate to say that, but you have some amazing pastors here that love you and will lay down their life for you. And I'm going to just give you a key. I, don't, I, I can't preach this in my church. I'm going to bring Tom over to preach it in my church. But if you want to be blessed financially, take care of your pastors. Amen. And don't ever complain about how much they make. Just make sure it's double what you think they should make. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm telling you, that's the key. I'm telling you, because how you treat seen authority is how you'll treat unseen authority. Amen. And so just take care of your pastors. I was dealing with this situation. We had a guy that got overlooked in our church and... Um, after this letter that I'm just, you know, it was one of those things where he needed some counseling and he was dating one of my, one of these young girls in our church and he was about 15 years older than her. So I just immediately, I didn't like him anyway, but, um, <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but I, um, so I count, I just sat down coffee with him one time and he said, well, I need some long-term counseling. Da, da, da. So I passed him to one of our business guys and the business guy never called him back. And, and so he said, well, I guess this church hates me and, you know, no, nobody reaches out to me in this church, and so uh, you know, I'm leaving. I said, I said, uh, so I wrote back. Uh, you, you have to understand me. You know, I, I, I didn't take the typing class, and so my, I have one word answers or one sentence answers. I said, bro, sorry, I'll pray for you uh, that you'll find the perfect church. And he blew up and got mad and spread rumors about me. So this is my response to him when I was in a typing mode on my iPhone. Um, I guess I offended you with my answer. For that, I'm truly sorry. It was not intentional. Uh, not to make an excuse, but this week, just this week, I've been dealing with a person that was suicidal, another person who, who tried to commit suicide, a youth conference, Easter, a friend in the hospital, selling our church properties, buying our new church properties, two pastors calling me for advice about their church problems, an elder with brain cancer, another one with prostate cancer, a man causing discord over some doctrinal issues, a cousin getting married, a family in our church, the, the, the divorce is killing their family. These things don't include the upkeep on my own family and are just things I dealt with this past week. My intention is not to offend you, but hopefully give you a perspective of why we don't intentionally overlook people, but it does happen, and for that I'm truly sorry. We love you and believe in you. And his response to me was, 
You need to put your big boy pants on, suck it up, and pastor. You, you need to do your job. Well, he's gone from our church. We took him to a special room. We shot him until God he died. And God said, yeah, I know. My point in reading that is just simply, with your pastors, a lot of times you think that, you know, the, the, the ultimate question people get when they're new to church, they say, what do you do during the week? Well, this, this is what is happening every week of our lives. And so just realize you have some amazing pastors with amazing gifts. And uh, we love them as our friends, and, and we just believe that God's going to do great things in this house. Amen. So. Amen. And, all, and it takes a body to help fulfill the, the vision that your pastors have. And so get involved anywhere you can. Become a part of this church regularly. Don't just come and leave, but come and find a place to volunteer. There's never too many volunteers. They can always take more volunteers, and that's how you grow. Psalm 92 says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. If you're not planted, you're not going to flourish. And so becoming a part of a local church is such a great way for you to grow. You get relationships that will stand with you when you're going through hard times. You know, we had a family that they were going through a hard time, and, and because they were plugged into church, we were immediately able to send out prayer requests and let people know, our elders and people know that they need to be have prayer because of the situation that was going on in their life. If you're not planted in the house, you don't know who to call. You don't have friends that are in the church that will send that message or that, that prayer request to elders or to the um, leadership team or the department heads to have them pray for you. So come and get involved in the church because that's how you're going to grow, yeah, grow and it, flourish. If you want a good marriage, just come to church. Amen. Hey, we got a couple of tape series. We brought some of our good stuff. Um, this is called The Tithe is Holy. God woke me up at 115 on January 26, 2010 and gave me this, the phrase, The Tithe is Holy, and downloaded a whole thing about tithing that literally will help you through this recession. If you are out of work or if you're even in work and want to prosper beyond your wildest dreams, listen to this tape series. This will bring a, a new a dimension to your life. The I Choose series is just simply a, a series about what we choose in life. Deuteronomy 30:19 says, I call heaven and earth uh, as a record against you. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And we call this series, it's kind of a subtitle, it's called I, I Choose for Dummies because he says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And in case you don't know which one to choose, he says, choose life. Amen. So uh, it's like, we don't forget, choose life. And so many people don't choose life. And this is choosing faith, fitness, family, fellowship, finances, and fun. Faith that fights is always just a good series if you're going through a battle in your life. And then also The Biggest Loser, we just got off this series, I don't know, beginning of the year or something. And The Biggest Loser is about, um, it's just people with, we, most people are not addicted to drugs, they're not alcoholics, they don't have marriage problems, all those kinds of things. They just don't have a strong enough vision. If you have a strong enough vision, it pulls you out of that stuff. And The Biggest Loser is about losing all of your junky crap in your life. So, did I say crap? I don't mean that say that from the pulpit. So Do you say that from the, no, you probably don't. So No, I didn't think you did. <laughs> Crap, no, you don't say that. So, Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean that. Okay, hey, we're going to get into some marriage series, but uh, Theresa wants to tell her joke real quick. Tell this. This is called the gravy ladle. John invited his mother over for dinner. During the meal, his mother couldn't help noticing how beautiful John's roommate was. She had long been suspicious of a relationship between John and his roommate, and this only made her more curious. Over the course of the evening, while watching the two interact, she started to wonder if there was more between John and the roommate than met the eye. Reading his hold mom's on, hold on just a second. thoughts. You, you oh, goodness. Jesus' name, we thank you for health in her body. Yeah. We just pray for her right now in thank the name you, of Lord, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for health and wholeness in her body. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
I know you'd all be distracted, so we'll, we'll just let's just let's just stretch our hands thank out for her. Pray, Father, we just thank you. Whatever problem she has, whatever situation she thank has, you, Lord Jesus. just thank you for the Spirit of God ministering to her. Let let her be healed from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. We speak life to her body, health to her mind. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll we'll go just cruise on and and uh, and start over and tell the story again. Okay. You've got to listen carefully because I know there's distractions, but listen carefully. John invited his mother over for dinner. During the meal, his mother couldn't help noticing how beautiful John's roommate was. She had long been suspicious of a relationship between the two, and between the two and his roommate, only me, this, and, and his roommate, I'm sorry, between the two and John, his, between John and his roommate, and this only made her more curious. Over the course of the evening, while watching the two interact, she started to wonder if there was more between John and the roommate than met the eye. Reading his mom's thought, John volunteered, I know what you must be thinking, but I assure you, Julie and I are just roommates. About a week later, Julie came to John and said, Ever since your mother came to dinner, I've been unable to find the beautiful silver gravy ladle. You don't suppose she took it, do you? Julie said, Well, I doubt it, but I'll write my mom a letter just to be sure. So he sat down and wrote, Dear Mother, I'm not saying that you did take a gravy ladle from my house, and I'm not saying that you did not take a gravy ladle, but the fact remains that one has been missing ever since you were here for dinner. Several days later, John received a letter from his mother which read, Dear Son, I'm not saying you do sleep with Julie, and I'm not saying that you do not sleep with Julie, but the fact remains that if she was sleeping in her own bed, she would have found the gravy ladle by now. Love, Mom. (laughs) Well, okay then, so... That's the kind of church we are, so whatever you want to do with that. <laughs> Open your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2. We're going to do a, give you four principles that govern marriage. Four principles that govern successful marriage. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. There's principles that govern our lives. If you want to prosper in your life, you tithe, you give offerings according to the kingdom of God, and then you have to do budgeting things, things like that. But there's principles that govern marriage also. If you will listen to these four principles, and I want to say this to you about those tapes that we just put out, pastors' teachings, this kind of stuff, you will never find libraries in the home of defeated people. Just think about that. You will never find libraries in the home of defeated people. Defeated people generally aren't learners. You have to be a constant learner in your life. I graduated with about a sixth grade education, and uh, now I have people with double master's degrees coming and listen to me every Sunday morning because I've educated myself. You have to constantly educate yourself. So, four principles that govern marriage. Number one, first principle that we want to talk about is what we call the principle of priority. He says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. If you're going to make it as a marriage, you must leave your father and mother. That doesn't mean leave in the sense of you have to move across the country, although for some couples that would probably be helpful. But leaving sometimes is just leaving the influence of your parents. So many times parents interfere with the marriage relationship. And and parents, at the same time, we teach our kids we should be teaching our kids to leave. If, if, your, if your kids get out there and you're feeling just a little bit neglected because they pay attention to their wife and their family, you've done your job properly. 
I hate to say that, but you've done your job properly. You, they're actually doing the biblical thing of leaving you. And if you're a little depressed about them not contacting you, it's pro- and I'm not mean. I'm not mean for five years, but they don't have to call Mama every day when they leave the house. I love my mom. I talk to her every two to three weeks, and she lives 15 minutes away from me. I talk to her every two to three weeks. I love her with all my heart, but you know it's just the way it is. So we have to leave. It's so important that we have to leave. And I, guys, we need to stand up and, and not have that influence. Theresa and I decided a long time ago that we live kind of by a rule with our parents that when we got married, and I, you know, we didn't have a lot of teaching and things like that. We kind of just instinctively, intuitively knew some of these things. But as far as my mom and stepdad know, my wife has never made a mistake in her life. And as far as her mom knows, I've never made a mistake because we never discuss our problems in our marriage with our parents. And the other thing is we never borrow money from our parents. We never borrowed money ever. We've, my parents gave me $500 once for a custody battle with a nephew thing. We were going through trying to get custody of a nephew um, with lawyer fees and things like that. And that's the only money our parents have ever given us in 29 years of marriage. We wish they would have given us a little more, but that's the only <laughs> money they ever did give us. And so, uh, but we just we just made it that way. So, mm-hmm. and so by you, the law of priority you make when you leave your household, when you get married, now your spouse becomes your number one priority. This is who we're communicating with. This is who we're talking with. It's not our parents and our friends, but it's our spouse. This becomes the number one that we're bouncing things off of, and we're planning, and we're making visions, and doing things together, and focusing on the future together. And so we're leaving our parents behind, and um, not that. By not talking to them even, it's not necessarily by you not talking to them have you left your parents. It's you have to just disconnect that influence of what your parents are thinking all the time. You can talk to them every day. Yeah, because I talk to my, my mom and my dad frequently, but I have left my mom and dad. So it's the mental state that you're not always thinking, well, what does mom and dad think? And I know when you're first married, there's an there's part of that that you're that natural progression. But as you're older, you need to have left your parents and you've established your family we have a family unit together that we we build upon our fa- our parents are included in that if it works out but we are building a family together and so we're going forward in our future together and so making sure that we're leaving our parents and making our future together and building our dreams with our kids with our with church Glenn and I really don't have anything in common other than church and our son we don't do sports together we don't do I mean I'll watch fun previews of sports and stuff, but we don't do a lot of things she together. She doesn't know what a golf ball is, and oh, I know stop what every it. golf ball is. You know, so. <laughs> and so we have we built upon the church. That's how we, when we got married, that was what we had in we common built, was the built, church. We built our lives upon dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dreams and our future together. And so just, and you know, a lot of times I think people will say, well, we don't have anything in common. Well, you don't have to have anything in common. What are you building together as, far, you know, not anything in common as far as sports and all that stuff. As a matter but of what fact, are we building I, I, together? let me add on that too. I think that one of the things that people do is they go on these e harmony.coms and you put all your compatibility things and that's the dumbest thing you can do because most of the time it's two opposites attract one another because we complete one Mm -hmm. another you know who cares whether she likes to sports or golf or anything like that the fact that I can't balance the checkbook and she can works out really good for us, you know. I mean, you know. We do like to spend money together, so we do have something well, we in common do, yeah. there together. And, 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 you know, and she's really good at details and I'm not. And You know, I'll go buy a piece of property. I'll go out and spend, you know, we'll go out and I'm working on some rental homes and, and I'll buy the property. But once I bought the property, it's her deal to manage and not manage in the sense of dealing with the people, but dealing with the financial part of that and the paperwork thing. So we're, we're a team, but we're not going to have compatibility. If we, have the, if we were perfect com- compatible, 
of always fight all the time, so it just doesn't work <laughs> that well. So, mm-hmm. and, and and let me just say this too about the law of priority. If you got to go out with the boys, well, you understand. I got to have my me time. My me time on Thursday nights is when we go bowling with the boys. Well, don't get married then if you got to go bowling with the boys. Right. I'd rather be with her anyway than the boys. <laughs> let me tell you. So, so it takes four things. Number one, sacrifice, time, energy. And attitude. It takes sacrifice, time, energy, and attitude for a priority. You have to make your spouse your priority Amen. in life. Your whole world has to revolve around. I might just say this too. Neither Theresa nor I have any relationships. We don't have any friends. I don't have friends that are girls that I talk to. I have co-workers that I talk to. And one of my main people in the church is Taryn, and we talk all the time. But Taryn and I never take our conversation below a professional level unless our husbands, our wife are in the room. We don't, you know, she's been dealing with some kid issues, and we'll give her advice on that. But we don't talk about whether her and Alan are squabbling or in a fight unless Theresa's around. We, there's parameters because Theresa is my priority, and we just don't, in, in a female-male relationship, as a matter of fact, we don't even, for us, we know what works for us, is we don't even get in a car. I'm never in a car with another woman, never. I mean, and the only time it's, it's happened two or three times in 29 years of ministry, and that's when I've called my wife and said, you know, Taryn and I are going to meet so-and-so for lunch, and her car is whatever, and do you mind if she just rides with me that five minutes to the restaurant? And I make sure that I call my wife on that because she's my priority, and I want her to know that by those phone calls and everything else. I want her to know that she's my priority. Does that make Amen. sense? Amen. So. It's just establishing, it helps to establish security in your relationship. If you're constantly doing those things or you're, you have a friend that's a, the opposite um, than you are, then you are, are the opposite sex than you are, then you and your wife or your husband know that you're always talking with that person. It just creates insecurity in your relationship. And so it's just all to build security. And communication brings intimacy, mm-hmm. too. You've got to be careful with that. Number Amen. two. Are you done? Mm-hmm. Number two. The principle of pursuit. It says the, the first one is you must leave. The next one is you must join together. Once you say, I do, laziness generally sets in, and we stop pursuing one another. That means we stop dating. We stop. You know, Theresa and I, we don't go on a date night because we work with one another. And we eat together. We literally work together 24-7, and we eat together almost every day, so we don't have a regular date night. But if we were, have both had separate jobs, I would make sure that you come together for a date night or something once a week. And I just think it's important that we keep ourselves looking good. And I mean, it's one thing, you, know, you get married, and, and the next thing you know, you know you, I mean, you make up and the hair and the shirt and the, everything, and you smell good and... Then you get married and you're farting and blowing and stinking and sweating. Can you say that word in church? Whatever. I'm just telling the truth, all right? <laughs> Tom, can I say that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, never mind. Okay. <laughs> so I, I just think it's important that it's important that we, we try to keep ourselves pursuing one another like a dating relationship. You say, Well, I don't feel that anymore. Well now now, now you understand marriage. Mm-hmm. Now you understand because the feelings will go. The, that feeling of I just oh my god I just I just have to spend that eight hours a day with the pretty soon you're saying I want to go golfing you know but that's when feelings that's why we walk by faith and not by sight Amen. and we're constantly doing what we don't feel if you want a good marriage if you want to destroy your marriage just do what you feel mm-hmm. Amen Amen the principle of 
join in ourselves, our pursuit. Mm-hmm. What else? And so one of the things that I think that is a good thing for us to do is to be looking for clues or um, tuning into the things when their our spouse is talking about things that they like, maybe things that you can cook, maybe things that you wear, maybe things for Christmas ideas or birthday ideas. So you're really paying attention to the conversation. They're not just, you know, you're just zoning out when they're talking. And so it's really paying attention to those details. Because when we're dating, we would do that. We would look for those things. We would hang on those words of like, what can I do? How can I surprise them? And so finding those things that we can um make it our relationship even better and so we're paying attention to what they're saying and not just being a zombie going through this relationship and with us we like to do things together and so we're constantly finding things that we can do like we'll go for walks we'll take our dog and go for a walk and so we're finding things that we can do and then we can build upon and what are we things that we like to do together that we can regularly do one of the things that i like to do is go down to mcminimins on the water and go down there and have dinner. And so that's not one place that Glenn necessarily likes to go down to and go and do, but he'll go and do that for me. And so finding those things. Are you making faces over here? No, I'm just looking at them because we took them to oh, the okay. Minimums the other night. <laughs> and it's so not my just, favorite place to go. But so I finding things that are fun to do together. And so we're constantly paying attention to what they're saying. And one, a couple of quotes that I have here is Prince Albert to Queen Victoria and young Victoria, the movie. It says, I love you until my last breath. And so we are committed on our relationship. We want to spend time together. I think sometimes when our relationship has breakdowns is that we're focusing on the negative and we're not focusing on the positive. Yeah. And so we're learning, how, we need to learn how to count the positive things so that we are looking and those things are building and building and not the negatives that are destroying and destroying our relationship. And so I am committed to Glenn until my very last breath because I love him as a person and I love him as my husband. And so we like to hang out together. And so just to do things together. And let, me, can... let me give you some guys about pursuit. Um, you know, if when in doubt, buy diamonds because I've never met a woman that doesn't like diamonds. So that works for him. And let me give you something else that will save you a ton of money. It's called the manna principle. What is the manna principle? In the Old Testament, God gave them manna. And manna expired at midnight. If they tried to hoard it till the next day, it rotted. Well, don't give a gift before the birthday because if you give a gift three days before the birthday because you can't wait, then they'll be disappointed on their birthday. So just make sure that you give it on their birthday and not the the few days before that. (laughs) Because gifts, attitudes, and kindness all expire at midnight and they must be re-upped the next day. Amen. Amen. Anything else? And I saw this quote on Facebook. It says, good marriages don't just happen. You have to decide to never quit growing, learning, loving, and giving to your mate. And so it's a constant process. Just because we get married doesn't mean that it's over. We're constantly, we're constantly growing in our personal relationship. Miles Monroe has a book out. I think it's single, separated, marriage, and life after divorce. I think something, something in that like title. That, yeah. But one, the first chapter, I love the first chapter because it's talking to singles, but he's basically saying that, when we're whether married or not married, we as a single need to be, basically be growing in our who we are and our relationship with God our entire life. So we need to be a healthy whole single, whether married or not. And if you are a healthy whole person, then you will make a healthy whole spouse. And so we just need to make sure that we're constantly growing in who we are, so that we can grow in our relationship together. Good point. Principle number three is the principle of possession. They, beca- they became one flesh. The principle of possession just simply says this. When two people marry, they don't own anything separately ever again. Everything that she has belongs to me. Everything that I have belongs to her. It's so good. When we got married, she had 600 bucks in the bank. Boy, I spent that really <laughs> quick because I had nothing in the bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I bought it, probably spent it before we were married. But 
I think so. But she, my my wife married me on my financial potential, not on my not on what I had for sure. But uh, but. But you were uh, handsome. And yeah. still well, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, there's four things that are so important that you understand of possessions. There was a guy. I'll tell you what the four things are. Just there was a guy in our church 25 years ago, and he uh, one day I got a call from him and his wife, and they said, "Pastor, you got to come over here. My wife's freaking out." I said, "Okay." So I ran over there, and man, I mean, there's there's flower pots that are broken, and there's dishes. You know, there's just the place was a mess. I mean, this woman was just going crazy, and and and. And I'm just like, wow. I said, well, what's the problem? She said, we are financially a mess. And he keeps putting money into that stupid Jeep out there. And that Jeep is more important than I am. And I said, well, that's simple, dude. Sell the Jeep. And he looks at me and says, I'll get a divorce first. Guess what his marital status is today? He's divorced. And last time I saw him, he came to our church about maybe six months or a year ago. And the, the same lady who's been married since that time kind of has taken him in because he's kind of like almost a street guy now that she's kind of feels sorry for him and trying to get him plugged into a church. And he's the most pitiful human being I've ever seen in my life. Well, not ever seen, but close to some of the most pitiful human beings. And it's like stupid. Sell the stupid Jeep. If you're having financial problems, sell the stupid Jeep. I mean, Jeeps are the will of God. You'll get another one eventually. <laughs> like Harleys are the will of God. I sold a Harley when we were moving into this house. We moving into this house we are now. Um, we were short money of the fix-up money we needed when I needed to build a kitchen because we bought a repo house, and so I just sold my Harley. And I was without a Harley for three or four, five, I don't know, three or four years or what was it that long? Three or four years or whatever. I was without a Harley, and that's like you know that's like being without teeth with no dentures, you know. <laughs> And so, but I sold the Harley and we built my wife a beautiful kitchen. Just sell the stuff. Well, it's just stuff. Your marriage is more important. It's just possessions and different things. Amen. So, but let me give you the four things. Number one, first, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The first thing that we don't own is our bodies. Chapter 7, verse 3 says this. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and, the wi- and, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body. In spite of all the Supreme Court rulings, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, talking about sex, do not deprive one another except with the consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So Paul said this. He said, you don't own your body. He said, it's, it's, once you get that, once you decide to be married, you're, you're, that's a joint thing. And Paul says this. Paul gives an excuse for lack of sex in a marriage. He says, there's only one. I can't find anything else in the Word of God that says there's any reason not to have sex in the marriage relationship except for one thing. If you're giving yourself to fasting and prayer. Headaches are not in the Word of God. They're not in there. Our excuses are not in there. Now, you understand, I mean, back and forth, so on and so forth. But the reality is, depriving ladies, depriving a man of sex is, you ladies don't maybe think that's a big deal, but the reality is, there's something about a guy in in a sexual relationship that makes him, he feels like a conqueror. I, I always tell ladies this, if you have a powerful man, have powerful sex. Yeah, okay. Amen. Thank you. 
That's good preaching, Glenn. Go ahead. Thank you. I believe I will. If you want a powerful man, if you want a weak man, if you want a weak man sniveling, keep him under your thumb, don't have him prosper, don't have him do anything, just, just constantly hold back sex from him. But if you want a man that's out there just conquering the world, you, you, I mean, just, just, just blowing and going, I'll tell you guys, probably satisfied sexually. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. Amen. You got a great church here, by the way. <laughs> Read into that whatever you want. So, you have anything on that, baby? Mm-hmm. And so we need to make sure the law of possession that our budgeting, our body, and our life is part is our spouses also. You know, with our children also in that. Let me give them the four, and then we'll go back. Okay. The children, time, and money. Body, children, time, and money. Body, children, time, and money. All right, go ahead. And so with our children, that we need to make sure that we are coming together on disciplining our kids as far as raising our kids and helping in working together to raise our children. You know, and it's easy for um, sometimes in, or not easy, I'm sorry, but with their children and raising them, sometimes the dad will go in there and he'll be really harsh and really stern with disciplining the children or a child. Maybe there's one that's harder to raise or harder, stronger willed than the other one. And so the dad will deal with it. And the mom gets frustrated and thinks, well, we shouldn't do it like that. Or, and maybe we'll try to jump in and the disciplining of the children. Well, with doing that, we are feminizing the way our husband disciplines our children. It's not always how we should see it needs to be done. And the emotional side is women or the gentle side or let's talk about it or whatever side of it. That sometimes those children need that strong voice in their life. And look at in our society today how many men that we have that are wimpy men because they don't have strong a strong male voice in their life. That they have been raised by moms. Moms are trying to do the best job that they possibly can. But they're just not that strong strong, strong man that we need in our society. And that's where if you are a single mom raising boys, that you need to have them plugged into church and so that you will have a strong mentor of a man in their life and speaking to them. And so we just need to be careful that we're not trying to make the way the dad disciplines the way we would discipline because it's not healthy for our children to have that. Then we need to have both of us to discipline because it brings a balance to that child emotionally and just a strength to them also. My son is uh, six foot three. He's uh, he's two hundred and thirty pounds. He's ripped. I mean, his arms are just ripped. He's a bodybuilder. Stephen hung out with him. He knows, and and he played Division One baseball. And and he drives this you know Harley, and he runs around. And he's you know and he thinks he's the baddest man on the planet. But when he was about twelve years old, now he can just break me in half. But be, when he was about twelve <laughs> years old, he was he was just he was raising his voice to his mom, and I have never raised my voice to her in twenty nine years, and she's never raised her voice to me in twenty nine years, and no man's going to raise their voice to my wife. So here's my son, and he's raising his voice to his mom. He's backsassing her, and he's raising his voice to 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 his mom. So I grabbed him, and I pulled him back in the laundry room, and I shut the laundry room door. And I started beating on his chest with my finger. Back then it was like this. Now it's like this. <laughs> and, I, and I just pounded his chest. And I, I wasn't even, you know how sometimes you've got to act mad when you really, I mean, you're not. But I just, I wasn't that mad, but I pretended like I was. And I'm just going after him. And I looked at him and I said, young man, I said, that woman out there was my wife before she was your mother. And no man speaks to my wife the way you just spoke to my wife. And don't you ever utter those words out of your mouth ever again. And now, if my son's in church, which 
he's out painting bridges in Idaho somewhere right now. But when he's in church and he's been gone for seven years from you know baseball and all kinds of Bible school different things, but now he sits by his mom, puts his arm around her at church, kisses her on the lips, escorts her out. Where did he learn that? In the laundry room. <laughs> Amen. Dads, do not let your boys disrespect your your wife. And if you let your boys disrespect your wife, you're probably letting the world disrespect your wife, too. That's good. Do not allow that. I know when Joel was little and and Glenn would torment him and play with him rougher than I thought he should be playing with them. And it was always, Joel was always saying, Dad, Dad, don't, that hurts. Dad, stop. Well, now paybacks come around. And so now when Joel comes home and he picks on Glenn, and Glenn's like, Joel, stop it. Joel, don't, that hurts. <laughs> and so it'll come back around. It doesn't take very much to hurt this 52-year-old body anymore. So anyway, but uh, it's just, it's one of those things where you just got to be strong. And so, Raising your children, time and money issues are a big thing also. Make sure that your, your families are tithing to your local church. Make, make sure you guys are tithing. Theresa and I are prosperous people because we tithe. Get that series, The Tithe is Holy. But, under, but Theresa and I don't just tithe, we're givers. We, mm-hmm. you know, and my son is, we've taught him to give, and he gives, he gives my son has, has done this since he started working, but he gives 20% of his money right off the top, just immediately. He doesn't tell anybody, but he gives 20% of his money. And he has three opportunities right now to make. He's got three. He had three job opportunities with over twenty dollars an hour right now, and one of them he's going to go to California and make thirty-eight dollars an hour and uh, and just in work a month and they're doing seven twelves and he'll be making. About, but we've taught our kids to give from an early. We took kids. We have one. We've taught and we have spiritual kids, but we teach them to give. Parents, if you don't tithe, your kids won't tithe. You're dooming them to a life of poverty. Amen. Make sure you tithe and give offerings. Amen. So, Amen. In Matthew 18 and verse 19, and in 18 it's talking about whatever you bind on earth will be bound and you come in together. But verse 19 in the Amplified is what I want us to look at. It says, and again I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything they may ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. And I look at how with marriage and raising our children and coming together, it's like a symphony. We're harmonizing together. I don't know much about music. I know when it's bad, but I don't, I don't play an instrument. I don't sing. And so the worship team was great. They play together. They're harmonizing together. They have a beautiful voice. If Glenn and I came up and tried to um, lead worship You'd by all singing leave. or playing an instrument, you would leave. And so the, the harmonizing together, the symphony together is a beautiful thing. And so when you're coming together in a marriage and you're coming together as a family it becomes a beautiful symphony that flows and it affects so many generations down the road by what you produce out of your family and your generations to come and so just make sure that you're coming together and you're harmonizing and you're making a beautiful symphony together last principle we're going to share with you number one the principle of priority leave number two the principle of pursuit join number three the principle of becoming one flesh or a possession become one flesh Number four is the principle of purity. They were naked and not ashamed. Uh, if you're going to have a good marriage, you have to stay on course when it comes to being pure. You cannot get on the Internet, look at pornography, have your wife catch you. It will literally, she'll forgive you maybe if you stop, but the reality is it's going to put a blight in your, a blot in your marriage. That there will always be that thing. So I, let me give you seven quick keys. Wait, before you go on with that. And also there's the, with the women, I mean, there's some that are in, 
into pornography, but it more becomes because of the, the we like the talk, we like to be talked to. It's more of the reading romance novels or the stupid TV shows that are all the what it could be if it was like this. And so we just have to be careful as women that we're not trying to make that that we see that's not reality part of our relationship a reality. And so just realizing that we can't live in that fantasy land. We have to we can make our marriage wonderful, but it can't be based upon those outside things to make our marriage great. Pornography is a trap that will will cause your mind to be reprobate. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll have a reprobate mind. There's there's um I, I tell our guys all the time, you know, the Bible says the um well anyway, but anyway, I don't have time for that. But why I, I talk to our guys all the time in our men's things is if you're into pornography real heavily, it, it makes you weird. You th- you start thinking strange. You know, you walk out in the parking lot and you're you know you're you're 62 years old and 100 pounds overweight, and some 17 year old comes up to you and says, "Hi, Mr. Smith, how are you?" And immediately your mind goes, "Oh, she's interested in me." Please. Now, guys think that. They think the dumbest things. And pornography takes us into that realm. And next thing you know, did you know, and I'm going to the extreme case, but did you know it's a proven fact that child molesters that look at pornography, it starts with pornography, and then they move into child pornography and things like that. It's a proven fact that every, almost every one of those child molesters believes that that five-year-old girl wants that man to do that to them. They've convinced their mind that. Pornography takes you down a path that will just cause a reprobate mind. So you have to stay pure. By number one, you have to take responsibility for your actions. Don't, you know, just, see, uh, the whole Promise Keepers movement, if you guys were part of that, was a great movement except for one thing. Guys lied. (laughs) It was all about accountability. I'm going to come to this meeting. I'm going to be accountable. But guys lied in the meeting. So I'm not looking for guys that want to come to accountability meeting. That's not, not, that's not the guys I'm raising in our church. I'm raising a, a generation of Josephs that when Potiphar's wife, they're, they're there alone, Potiphar's wife comes up and attacks him, wants to do something to him. They want, he wants her to engage sexually with her. He runs out of the house with nobody else around, no accountability group. None of that. That's the kind of guys we're raising at Faith Amen. Center Church, and I believe here at the Garden also. Amen. So take responsibility for your own actions. Don't return sin for sin, number two. In other words, she did it, so I'm going to do it. He did it, so I'm going to do it. Number three, admit when you're wrong. Because here's the thing, guys. When you, um, when, if you admit you're wrong, this is, this is, I, I want to tell you the, the sign of a guilty man. I found this. I've learned so much over the years as pastoring. It's not like the Holy Ghost tells you these things you just learn them from experience but if your wife says hey i'm noticing you've been hanging out with Susie q a little bit too much and here's your response how dare you accuse me of that i can't believe you would even think that Susie q and i were actually interested in one another you're as guilty as sin if that's your response you're as guilty as sin Amen. and your wife caught you now, what you need to say is this. Here's, here's the response. Let me show you the, res- the proper response. You've been hanging around Susie Q too much. Is that what you think? Yeah, well, that's what I think. Well, I want you to know that from this moment forward, because you think that, I will never, ever hang out with Susie Q again. I will take every steps I can. If you want me to quit my job, I'll quit my job. But I just want you to know that I will never hang out there. I didn't realize that that was the impression I was giving. But since that's the impression I'm giving, I will never do that again. Amen. That's the proper response. Amen. 
I got to hurry. Number four, forgive. Don't hold grudges for years. Uh, number five, speak the truth in love. Number six, pray for one another. And number seven, and finally, make sure you have good friends. Amen. Good friends keep you accountable. Some of my friends, Tom being one of them, especially Pastor Rick Sharkey is one of my best friends. And we've never, Rick has never called me up and said, Glenn, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just freaking out over this temptation I'm having in my life. And I've never said that to him. But the fact that we're just such good friends, I would be embarrassed if I had to call him and tell him that. So just keep yourself accountable through friendships. Amen. Amen. And friends will build you up. They encourage you. They're not trying to hit on your spouse. They're not trying with ulterior motives. If, they're, if you have friends that are like that, you just heard there's something just not right with that friend that you know maybe you see how they interact with other people. You need just to really evaluate that relationship. But friends are there to build us up and encourage us and help us in our walk with the Lord to become a better person. Okay, look, we're, we want to pray for Did you cut me off? I guess you're done. Did you hit the mute? Okay, there we go. I thought that was, my time was up. The <laughs> thing had a, had a time frame on it, you know. Hey, there's, there's some serious. speakers you'd like to do that for, you know. <laughs> that microphone will turn off at 20 after. Hey, we want to pray for you, but here's my thing. Um, you know, you, you, I don't, it doesn't matter if you don't remember our name. That doesn't matter. We're not, we're not here to give you some kind of revelation that's revolutionary and changing your life. We're just here to add our support to your wonderful pastors, Shelby and Tom, and just to get behind their vision of what they're doing in this church. So we just want to take a quick time just to pray for, for families, for singles, for spouses, uh, together. So if you're with your spouse, just join hands together. And if right now, if you feel just a little uncomfortable, it's like, gosh, I don't want to hold her hand. You need this teaching worse than anything else. Mm-hmm. You need this teaching worse than anything else. Father, we just Thank pray you, right Jesus. now for every family represented, whether they're single, whether they're married, divorced. Just pray for them, Father. Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. They know the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of your power to us who yes, believe, according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and made him to sit at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, might, and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come. Father, I just thank you that you're the head of the church and you're the head of our families. So we just thank you for the strength in families today, because great families make great churches. Give them wisdom today. Give them revelation. Let them seek out knowledge of the truth, Father. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name we pray. One more thing I'll say. It's amazing how people will go out and spend $500 on a golf coach, but they won't go to a marriage seminar because they don't think they need it. Amen. We love you, believe in you, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Amen. You know, we, we've learned recently, and, and a lot of statistics, you already know them, but uh, let me just remind you that it, it, whether it's in the church or out of the church, doesn't matter. 50% of first-time marriages end in divorce. 70-some percent of second marriages end in divorce. 80-some percent of third-time marriages end in divorce. But you can change that statistic. I don't even, I don't even want to be in the 50 percentile range. Okay, so couples that pray together, doesn't make any difference if it's your first marriage, your second marriage, your third or your sixth. Couples that pray together, only 3% of those end in divorce. So you, you can move yourself to a totally different uh, you know, segment of society if you just pray with one another. So, and, and, you know, sometimes I think, you know, I just think we're, you know, we're so stupid. 
you know, we're, we're so lazy, you know, and, and, you know, people come in and it's three days before divorce court and they, they need marriage counseling. Dude, you, you need to be choked out for Jesus. Uh, you know, here's the deal. Mark 424 in the Amplified says the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more to those who, who hear. Listen, here's the deal. The, the ability for this to produce in your life is determined by you. So if you'll take just if you just take this CD, sit at the table, you and your spouse. And, and you know, if you're single, sit down and, and you need the information because you need to know how to speak life into your married friends because they've lost it. And, and, you know, and give thought and study to the truth you've heard and allow it to produce great power in your life. You're going to have victory in your relationships. You know, we just don't have to participate with recession. And we don't have to participate with the divorce rate. And we don't have to participate with the chaos. We've got, you know, Zoe life. More life than death. More peace than chaos. More joy than sorrow. More provision than lack. More health than sickness. Let's live like it. And don't treat me like I'm Glenn. Come on, say amen. 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 I want you to close your eyes and bow your head for just a minute and we're done. But before we leave here today, I want us to pray together. And if you're here today and you're separated from God life. Now, I'm not asking, have you ever prayed the sinner's prayer? You might have done that before a hundred times. That's not what I'm asking you. Is God a relevant part of your life? I don't want you to leave this room without the opportunity to make that living connection with real life. We're all going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But if you're here today and you say, you know what? I need God in my life. I, I, need, it. I need it to be real. I need it to be relevant. And today I want to launch a, a real relationship with God and Jesus Christ as the Savior of my life. Make this my prayer. If that's you, real quick, no one's looking around. Hold your hand up and just let me see it. Say, Tom, that's me. I need God in my life. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. You can put them down. Thank you. It's awesome. The best decision I've ever made, bar none, was allowing God to become real in my life. Grew up in church, but God wasn't real in my life. The day I allowed God to become real, everything changed. Anybody else, I don't want to rush this. I want God, and I want Him now. I'm not playing games. I'm not holding back. I want a real relationship. I want it to change my life. Anybody else, real quick. Thank you, It's awesome. I want everybody in the room to pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love, your acceptance, your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me strength. Give me vision. Give me hope. I choose to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on.